This is exactly right. None of us are alone in this. And at our core, we are all very similar beings. That's sort of one of the fundamentals that, yes, of course, we don't have time. And we all need to value the the time that we have. It's like life is short and it's not always fun. But these are the things that make life life. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan, your host, and let me tell you about our mission. That mission is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. We believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives, happiness, health, and engagement. We firmly believe that awareness is the foundation for your vision of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. Today's show is Moms Don't Have Time To with our exciting guest, Zibby Owens. Zibby is the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time To Read Books, as well as her newly launched Moms Don't Have Time To Lose Weight. She's a regular contributor to ABC's Good Morning America Online, as well as BBC and regional shows such as Good Day LA, Good Day DC, and Good Day Dallas, Midday News in Chicago, Tulsa, ABC Eyewitness News, and many, many more. Her writing has appeared in the Washington Post, Real Simple, Parents, Marie Claire, Red Book, The New York Times Online, and many others. And today we're talking about her new book, Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. Before the pandemic, Zibby ran a literary salon, hosted her own book fairs, and was a frequent bookstore event moderator. And during quarantine, she hosted the daily Instagram Live author talk show, ZIGTV, which was a weekly show with her husband, KZ Time. She launched an online magazine with the original author-written essays called We Found Time and started Zibby's Virtual Book Club. She has definitely maximized this quarantine situation, which we're going to be talking about. She's very active in her community. She is a graduate of Yale University and Harvard Business School and lives in New York with her husband and her four children. Zibi, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dr. Dan. That was like my entire life story there. Love it. There it is. I was like trying to take some <laughs> things out when I was preparing and I just, it was all good stuff. Like I, I couldn't leave anything out. I need um, like short bio version. <laughs> yes, Exactly. So first, so, you know, we have a lot to talk about. I mean, your book and um, pandemic and our life experience, um, but also reading your materials. I just want to say condolences and I just want to acknowledge the passing of two very important family members through this time too, which is all part of your project and your, um, your support. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, so this is real for all of us, right? This is really real. And it's like this balance of how do we live in the midst of a pandemic? And should we be like, should we be worried and bummed? Should we have our blinders on? Should we vacillate between back and forth? You know, like, wh- what have you come to? Oh, man. I mean, 
It's hard getting through this time. I've made some sort of psychological adjustments. Number Mm -hmm. one is that, you know, for me at least, I just call it like, I just keep looking down. Like I'm not looking into the future like I used to. I'm not making plans, which I used to change all the time anyway. I am just trying to get through one day at a time. Um, I'm definitely a lot more risk averse than probably most people. Um, I only see a few people. I don't, go to restaurants. I don't do anything. I'm, I'm trying to keep myself in like a little bubble, but not go crazy. Um, and just take it one day at a time. I mean, I don't know about you, Dr. Dan. I just feel like I've really had to listen to what I feel deep down and like go by my own sort of drummer or whatever the expression is, because Mm -hmm. people have so many different uh, points of view and I just have to be like, you know what, this is what I feel comfortable with. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really important to, to what you highlight is in terms of what do I think? What do you, you know, like, what do I think about the situation? Because like there is so much, conflicting information about just about everything related to the pandemic. Um, and it's, it's confusing. And then there's, and there's fatigue and, you know, so people go from fear to pure, like, screw it. I don't even think this thing is real. Right? I mean, and, and the other thing I'd like, I was just thinking about as you were talking is, um, you know, being from New York, I can understand why you would hunker down because you guys were hit so hard and it was so scary at the beginning for so long. Yeah, that was, uh, that was quite a wake up call. Um, not leaving the house and, you know, I mean, everybody went through it, but yes, New York was hit really hard. And, um, ironically, uh, you know, the people that we lost within our family, my husband's mother and, and, um, his grandmother, they didn't even live in New York. They were living in at the time in Charlotte, North Carolina. So mm-hmm. once our, you know, our, once our most intense period of time ended and we thought things might be getting better, they got so much worse. So you just like can't relax, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And now as I'm sure you are going through yourself, I just feel like I know so many people who are getting it now or whose parents are getting it, or even though the vaccine is coming um, and people are slowly getting that as well, it's it's still really pervasive. And I feel like even worse at the moment. So I don't know. I'm just going to yeah. like this one out, <laughs> like nothing yeah. important enough to risk this for. Yeah. Yeah. And um you have kids of differing ages, um, I believe five to 13. Is that still accurate? Now six. Um. Okay. <laughs> six, six still to 13. So that's a really big range and knowing that our kids are um, older. And, you know, on the kids on the young, parenting younger kids, you can really, it's easier to manage their lives. And when you get towards adolescence and older adolescence and young adulthood, it's like, oh, it's like, it's, they're dealing with all this and they have their needs and it's just trying to figure out, you know, what limits to put in place and what can you control and what can you not? Yes. Um, and then there's the homeschool, like remote school element too, where, you know, right before this podcast, you know, I'm like doing gym class with my my daughter on like her iPad and then, you know, having just to constantly switch gears between protection and, um, you know, making the best of whatever the situation is. Uh, yeah. You know, our kids are only young once too. So this is kindergarten for my son. So I can't waste it. You know, anyway. It's- yeah. Yeah. Well, you haven't wasted much because 
you have been really productive during this time. I mean, you do a lot of things. Does it feel that way for you? It does. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. Um, so, okay, let's, let's get into where the book came from. Um, what I did say is, I mean, you have all of these really well-known uh, tell everyone like authors who have contributed to this anthology and um you know after you tell i just i love the how the way the book is organized we'll talk about these main these main topics which are just so um simple and important but like how did this where did this come from this came from an idea that i had a while ago last year where i wanted to start some sort of a website that was like the goop for moms type of website where it would be moms don't have time to, and there would be tons of categories and essays and all sorts of stuff. So I had these big dreams for this site and I had started even hiring people to perhaps make it. And then I realized I had to, you know, start small and really focus in on it. So as I was drilling down and getting ready to, to, get the final plan together. And I had somebody I loved, Claire Gibson and a fellow author and editor working with me. We decided um, it would be great to have this whole mom content only be written by people who had been on my podcast. And that was part of what would make it so unique. Anyway, when the quarantine hit, it became very clear to me that all those big plans were going to be scrapped immediately. And yet I still wanted the essays to come out. So I had begun contacting different authors before the pandemic, although none of their essays had really come in yet, I don't think, or just a handful of them perhaps. And the topics I wanted to talk about were some that I felt like were the most common among moms. Uh, moms don't have time to read, work out, eat, breathe, and have sex. So I wanted the essays to be inspired by those things, but not essays about how people didn't have time, right? Because that would be kind of boring, but more just like uh, mom's no time to eat essay would be more like struggles with your eating disorder or, um, you know, there's a beautiful essay in here by Renee Denfeld about how she was homeless as a child and how to her, you know, what, it, what it means to have a McDonald's hamburger or things like that. So, um, they're inspired by those topics. And I started this publication. I just put it up on, <clears throat> on my own website. Um, zibbyowens.com. And I called it, we found time because during the pandemic, we all found a lot of time we didn't know we had. Mm -hmm. And I just started putting up the essays. Um, I worked with another editor, Carolyn Mernick, who ended up sort of spearheading this project. And I just designed it with this one designer I used to work with. And we just kept putting up essays every week. And it was great, but I didn't really have the audience for it because there were so many other things I was doing and I hadn't, I just wasn't ready to sort of promote it and make it a whole thing. So after a while, it seemed, as I said earlier, like in the summer, the things were going back to normal. And I thought, well, people won't have as much time anymore. And I put out a lot of great content in the worst of times. I think I'll just close it and have that be that. And then in September, I was looking back on it all. And I was like, you know what? There were so many essays. I wonder how many we ended up with. And as I read through them, I thought to myself, gosh, like this is a book, like there's enough for a book. And that's how it became a book. I love organic. Yes. I, I mean, I love that, the, the organic nature. Um, and, and, you know, when, as a fellow podcaster, I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, but at the beginning, uh, no, talking to other podcasters and doing our show, we kept talking about, okay, we need to, 
like we need to, we've had a, enough pandemic related shows, but like we need to have some evergreen shows, like just, you know, that are going to be beyond the pandemic because this thing is going to be over soon and we need these, you know, it's like, is it? And, and are, you know, when is it going to be a time? Like, I feel like talking about the pandemic and what to do in a pandemic is almost to be like best practices for living life again because of how much we're, we're, we're being forced to think about things and be creative. It's like, do you think there will be a time when we actually don't talk about the pandemic and how far will that be? That's a good question. Um, I can't imagine it not being part of sort of everyday consciousness anymore. I, I, I mean, I think it would have to take a long, long time to stop mm-hmm. talking about it. Yeah. So there's all, there's all the, um, the terrible tough stuff and, there are, I mean, it's it's hard to talk about the silver linings when there's when there's death and pain and homelessness and financial, you know, job loss. Um, and then yet I also think we do have to talk about some of the silver linings, one of it being time and one of it being taking inventory and um, being grateful for some of these little things that we never even noticed before and realizing what we've all lost. Yes, for sure. We might as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you hit on the topics uh, or the sections of the book. And I just want to hit it again for everyone to hear because I, it's just, it's, it's simple in concept, right? It's read, work out, eat, have sex and breathe. I mean, we're yeah. down to some basic, you know, I guess aside from reading those other four or like exercise, like these are all just essential, essential things for living and for being human. I mean, I would argue reading is one as well, just as essential. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, don't yeah. dis- I'm not disagreeing. And like, it, this is, um, this is, um, I mean, it's, it's down to the basics. And yet there's so many different perspectives that you uh, received from the different authors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so neat to hear what people came back with. And even just reading the pitches was so exciting. Um, I actually am doing another anthology that'll be out in November. And for that, I picked another five topics, um, like my backup five, essentially. (laughs) Um, And like reading those essays too, like everybody's just coming at life in such unique, different positions. And that sounds obvious, but um, I get such a thrill when I see an email pop up with an attachment and it's an essay from like one of these amazing authors and I know it's original work and they're writing Mm -hmm. it. Me, It's like the coolest thing that's happened. Um, Like, Oh, I'm opening Lily King's file and it's like essay for Zippy. Like how cool is that? I don't, I mean, really cool. um, And what you said about it being organic. I mean, this entire thing has been organic. If I had tried to plan any of this, it never would have worked out. Um, None of this was intentional. And so I'm just kind of still, riding the wave of like where this is going and just, you know, this is where it's become anthologies now. And I'm so excited about that. And I just actually launched um, a website called moms don't have time to write on medium.com. Um, and that, cause I wanted to also include people who hadn't written full on books, but were still amazing authors and writers, not authors, but writers, um, mm-hmm. a lot of essays mm-hmm. have written books. So I'm trying to, sol- but soliciting content in the form of essays is something that I find really, really exciting. There are a lot of anthologies coming out because moms don't have time to do virtually anything. Yes, I know. I'm going to keep yeah. this 
as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> are you allowed to, are you get, can you give us a teaser of the one in November or do you want to, you want to sit on that one? No, no. Um, the one in November, I'm going to forget, but it's moms don't have time to sleep, lose mm-hmm. weight, um, sleep, lose weight, write, see friends and get sick. Ah, all right. Yeah. These are, this is like, this is going to become the mom's, um, Bible, the, the anthology, this is like the old Testament, uh, <laughs> of, of mom, of momhood. Um, okay. So big picture, what did, like, what are some of the take homes, big picture take homes? I, I want to dive into each of these areas, but like big picture for you, what, what did it like you learn and you really take away from what you have read in this book, in this anthology? What I've read, what I've learned is that everybody is longing for connection. Everybody uh, has these deep fundamental pieces of their soul, which are ready to, um, when they're put on the page, help other people make sense of their lives and that none of us are alone in this. And you know, they're inspiring. People can get through a lot. People use different things to do so. But at our core, we are all very similar beings um, with different expressions of that. And that's sort of one of the fundamentals that, yes, of course, we don't have time. And we all need to value the the time that we have. And, you know, I think another theme is just like life is short. And um, it's not always fun. But these are the things that make life life. I mean, this is really it, right? When you get down to it, if we don't make time for these things, what are we doing with ourselves? Like this is, this is what it is to live. So, you know, moms don't have time to email is not a very exciting moms do have time to email moms do have time to like be on Instagram all day. Like, is that life? No, then you miss so much. So, um, I think it's just also this reminder that, um, of what's it, of what, of what it even means to fully live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and under any circumstance, what it means to live. Mm-hmm. Exactly, under any circumstance, and from so mm-hmm. many perspectives, vantage point. There are men, there are women, there are all different sexualities and races and religions and whatever. And so, it just, despite all the differences on the outside, it's just not so different. We're all just. Mm-hmm. I mean, that mm-hmm. sounds so hokey, I guess, but that's. I mean, I don't know. No, I mean it's it's the message that we all need to hear. I mean, uh, more and more with what's going on in our um, larger culture and um, racial injustice and systematic racism. I mean, like it's, um, I was talking to um, my youngest is 16 and she's doing an essay, doing an outline um, for her essay on um, the women's movement, uh, equal rights. And she said to me something that she said in the past. She said, okay, can we just stop for a second? I don't even know why we have to have a conversation about people being treated equally and and racial uh, et, um, equality, like why is that not even a thing? Why are we even discussing this? And it's like it's so, you know, it just gives hope for the new generation. And then it's like, gosh, these things are why 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 are these things the way they are? And acknowledging they are the way they are, and we need to keep doing something about it. Um, so I think we have to keep talking about it in, the, in this way. Like everyone has the same underlying need to be seen, to be heard, to have freedom and have a chance. 
well, I'm jealous that that's what you were doing with your daughter because I was like helping my daughter memorize parts of the plant cell last night. <laughs> oh, terrible. Much, much less exciting. So, oh, <laughs> yes, much less. Um, Bring on the organelles. So. Oh, that's good. I was just trying to remember anything I could throw out related to the plant <laughs> cell, but that, that's good. There you go. That goes way back. Um, you know, and so with the this connection, um, a lot of people are talking about. I mentioned your thoughts on this um, with the pandemic. A lot of people are saying, and this has been my experience with a lot of my clients, is that you know, for more introverts, they're like this. You know, like I like a lot of this stay home and not have to go out and perform and do things. And whereas the extroverts are more of the suffers. I wonder, like, do you find that? And even so, I think it's still important to know that introverts still need to connect with people. They just like to do it in their own way. Yeah, actually, this whole thing has made me wonder about my own introversion versus extroversion. Um, because while I love being with people, um, I am very happy. <laughs> I'm very happy here at home. Um, and uh, I... Yes. I mean, and also my kids are kind of split down the middle between introverts and extroverts. So I see this playing out all the time of like who wants to leave the house and who's fine, who's tired after parties and who's energized and all of that. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, I feel like when I have a great conversation with somebody, which I do because of the podcast, you know, eight times a week or so, um, and even more podcasts like coming on people's podcasts like this now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this my kids, you know, this like fills my bucket, you know, like I love this, this is mm-hmm. connected. And, um, I, I like doing this more so than running around all day and popping into different places or mm-hmm. I, I like, mm-hmm. that, I like that, um, part of what has happened has made conversation and communication that much more meaningful when it does happen between two people. So, uh, but not to say I don't miss parties. I love being at parties and seeing people and connecting people. And I love that. Um, but I'm also, you know, there are parts of this I'm, I'm pretty okay with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't think fall on the spectrum. Yeah. And I, I think we don't re- we don't know where we fall until everything kind of stops a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of my clients, um, and our clients at the center, um, have a lot of anxiety related to school, school related tasks for a variety of different reasons. And so many of them, their parents would be like, oh my God, they haven't, I mean, outside of the challenges of distance screen learning, but in terms of the anxiety about performance in school, and it was like, wow, they're like so much calmer. They're, they're not impacted by all of that social stress and, um, performance anxiety. And it's so like, we don't know until things stop. Yep. So true. Okay. So let's go to read. When you think of the section of read, what are some of the take home messages for our listeners from those, that collection of essays? Um, well, I'll just go to that part. So I can tell you some of the authors from that section include, um, Chris Bajelian, who wrote the flight attendant at midwives, um, Jewel Parker Rhodes, who's an amazing PhD author of middle grade fiction, Ashley Prentice Norton, Gretchen Rubin. Um, there are different takeaways. Um, one is the main regenerative sort of uplifting power of books, which it's always good to hear that again. Um, it's how people fit books in. It's 
the power of connecting around books, not even the book themselves, the books themselves and how, um, the role of book clubs is, is really important and, um, how, how reading often leads to writing. So I think those are some of the things. Workout. Workout. Okay. Um, a few authors here, uh, Dylan Lauren from Dylan's Candy Bar, talking about aqua aerobics. Uh, Jill Santopolo, who best-selling author of The Light We Lost. Um, her essay was great. It was about how she learned how to run and swim and do all these things um, for a boyfriend and then lost the boyfriend but kept the skills. Um, but these essays are about the mental health benefits of exercise. Um one author, Suzanne Falter, lost her daughter and, um, you know, had to come to terms with the scary feelings of her, what her son was doing. So it's also about letting go of others, um, what exercise, how it helps other people cope, how you have to give up control. Um, yeah. I mean, another- there's, there's this author, uh, Zibby Owens, also uh, wrote an, uh, <laughs> a piece there about how working out is keeping me sane. Yeah, I wrote that pretty early in the pandemic about how running was keeping me calm. And then I think I like didn't run again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, maybe I wouldn't have gained all that pandemic weight had I kept that running habit from that essay. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Moms don't have time to run. That's, that's going to, we'll work that in the next anthology. That's actually why I started Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight because I had like gained weight during the pandemic and I was like, okay, I have to do something about this. So, um, so many people on Instagram wanted to lose weight also that I was like, well, we might as well do it together. So that's how that started. Um, but yeah, those are some of the things from workout. Um, and I, I did write that essay about how, especially in the beginning, there was so much adrenaline, this whole fight or flight when we were li- leaving the city to go to um, a place we have on Long Island so we could bunk, you know, hunker down for as long as we needed to. And just the anxiety and how that propelled me to just, you know, I had to keep going. I had to run and run and run. And um, yeah. And anyway, that helped me, especially. Yeah. Well, and then when we get to eating, it's the whole gamut of, you know, food, uh, food, as a as comfort and connection and then food as a challenge yes um yeah everything from baking challah and doing it in someone's honor and doing it cooking for your own mental health um to funny pieces like laura hankins what i saw at your kid's birthday party where she kind of pokes fun at what like grown-ups do around all that food um a beautiful piece by sonali dev about um, culture and growing up Indian and not wanting to have to make the traditional dish that everybody expected of her, even though she was good at it. Um, you know, addiction to the food network addict, uh, the food network and watching all those shows and how during the pandemic, some people relied heavily on, um, cooking shows to get them through. Um, and actually Alyssa Altman wrote a beautiful essay too, um, about trying to feed her own mother who refused to eat during the pandemic. So it Mm. it the gamut of Mm -hmm. the elderly to down to little kids birthdays. So big age spread. Yeah. Well, and, um, so have sex. So people do not so glad that you're putting this out there, right? Do, do you find that people like they don't talk about, well, they might talk about it in small, but it's not written about and just being open about as a, as one of the uh, core, core uh, parts of being human and uh, health and connection. Yes. Um, I thought it would be funny. Um, <laughs> 
And to be honest, I want to do like a whole book on just moms and have time to have sex because there were so many other ones that were pitched to me that were like hilarious. Um, it's really about relationships, this section too. It's not just about the physical, um, but there is some physical stuff in here as well. Um, you know, like Claire Gibson's piece, for instance, like her husband is totally afraid of germs. So what does that mean for them? And um, Wendy Walker about should she pursue dating life as a divorcee um, when she really wants to be home with her son? Um, when Karma Brown got the coronavirus and how her, the division of household labor sort of had to shift and, um, and then like tips, like, you know, enjoy it and, you know, why it's so important and all of that. So yeah, I think it's good to talk about. I don't think many people do talk about it. Um, and yeah, it's another one of these things. Super yeah. important. important. It's really important. And I just think these pieces are all, like you said, they're so honest. Um, yeah. Everyone's just being raw. And um, I also think the pandemic has helped uh, for a lot of people. I think authors already, of course, are good at this. But for so many of us, it just kind of taking away a little of our shield or a little of our veneer, like just a little more vulnerability um, in this longing to be heard and to connect. And so again, these pieces for everyone listening, they're all, um, they're just so unique and real uh, as a window into the author's uh, thoughts, feelings, and life. I agree. It's, it was so, it was just so neat for me to even read them. Um, and I'm, like honored I can put them out so more people can read them. Cause you just, you know, some of these authors are beautiful novelists and write these amazing things from historical fiction to contemporary drama to everything, like every type of literature, memoir, um, you know, war books, like e everything, cookbooks. Um, and yet this is going on with them. It's just, it's just really unique. And mm -hmm. it sort of plays to my whole thing, which is like, if people knew authors more the way they might know celebrities like movie stars, they'll be much more likely to read their books if they are rooting for them and know them and feel that they're familiar. So that's part of yeah. what I'm And this last section, Breathe, um, is really um, diverse in, in topics. So tell us how, how this section came to be called Breathe. Well, I was trying to think of something that could incorpor incorporate everything from like yoga to meditation to you know what it takes to slow down and just think um so i thought breathe was something broad enough that those things could fall under that banner but um yeah how to just maintain your sanity um you know i don't have time to think i don't have time to breathe that type of thing so um it it's everything from perfectionism to um you know getting the mental headspace to not totally break down when your kid needs you to teach them how to do origami and you can't figure anything out to, um, you know, law, a little bit about loss. Um, I do want to do a moms don't have time to grieve book um, at some point, but I haven't gotten there yet. Um, and even how moms don't have time to cry by a humor writer, Liz Astroff, um, all the times she would like to cry, but because of the kids, you just can't just, you just can't, you can't break down and cry when you want to. So how it stored up for her and how it came out sideways basically. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just looking at all the, the titles in this piece and um, they're just, they totally hit home. I mean, the um, I'm a teacher, but I can't even homeschool my kids. Yep. I mean, so many people are dealing with that. Um, they're, um, and I love this. Does my daughter miss her babysitter too much? Like, hmm, 
right? Like, um, and I've been hearing that a lot too about parents saying like, gosh, like what role do I play in my kid's life? These are busy parents and um, often, um, you know, working parents and realizing like, gosh, um, you know, just a lot of reflection. And, you know, this whole, the whole idea of this show is about increasing awareness. And with our increased awareness, we can be thoughtful and intentional about what we're doing in our own lives and how we're raising our kids. And so, um, you know, we're not quite to the parent footprint moment question. So, um, listeners, hold on. Um, but I'm just wondering, Zibby, for you, like what, through the process of gathering this book, like were there new awarenesses for you? Um, yeah, just how everybody handles things a little bit differently. Um, everybody, and yet everybody has, I mean, this sounds hokey. I don't even want to say it again that everybody has stuff in common, but, um, yeah, just the takeaways are like, enjoy the life you have kind of thing. Find, mm-hmm. find mm-hmm. the silver linings like you were saying earlier. I mean, I don't know. It's it inspired me to to sort of feel better and feel connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds like and feel just human. Yes, thank you. That's good. yeah, yeah, human because the human condition, people, is it's tough. It's tough being in human form and being having a personality and having an ego or what we call an ego and. Um, and in the in the in the face of technology and social media, I mean, this was all. It was hard being a human before a pandemic, and um, I just think it's it's important for us to acknowledge the. Um, it is difficult. We're fallible. We're always learning. We're always growing, and if we can just try to simplify and be in the moment. Um, I, I think life can feel a little longer and less overwhelming. Completely. Completely. Mm-hmm. And that just so much of it was unnecessary. Um, and this was in the essays and just even in the experience, just how much running around was just not, not worth it. Just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone asked me, um, was asking me, you know, if I'm doing a lot of speaking. And I said, yeah, I'm still doing a fair amount of speaking. And um, are you traveling? I'm like, no, I'm not traveling at all. And I go, oh, you must miss that. And I said, no, I, I, I don't miss that at all. I really don't. I actually enjoy being like you were talking about. I enjoy being able to be connected to uh, people through these different modalities and not having to be away from my family and not having to be in trains, planes, and automobiles. And it's just... I don't know. There's something just much more grounding in that possibility. Yep. I also like how I never have to like go to board meetings anymore. I mean, they're all mm-hmm. these, right. Like I used to have to do that would take so much time and I just didn't like leaving the kids. Um, you know, I'm divorced and remarried. And so when the kids are with me, I really want to be around. So I've been working from home this whole time, like before the pandemic. Um, but the fact that now everybody else is, it's just made it so much easier for me. So yeah. Great. Yeah, you're you're trendsetter, right? Everyone's following you now. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's great, right? I mean, the meetings that you just have to put on your screen. I mean, I know there's uh, there's uh, there's there's people out there, and this is legit. Like, hey, we need human connection, and we do need connection. We need our mirror neurons to fire when we're not always through a screen. Yes, and let's just pick what those are, and right, and that's what I think 
this is about. Okay, so what is from from everything? I'm this is this this might be tough. We're gonna distill this down from all of the information that you have gathered in this anthology and what you've learned. And since we know that moms don't have a lot, uh, don't have time to do virtually anything, what is like one thing you would say to those moms? And I'll add, we have dads out there who are very involved with their kids too. Like the one thing for the caring parent, the really involved parent to do in the absence of time. With their kids, you mean, or what? what yeah, you- just for themselves, right? Just for themselves. Like, what is, what is if they don't have time? What should, what can they do for their own health and their own nourishment? I mean, I think they need to slow down and mm-hmm. look around at where they are. You know, the whole thing of like, you are where your feet are. You know, <laughs> I was so guilty of looking mm-hmm. all the time I had trip yeah. and a year and a half out I had like hotel reservations I mean I'm like such a planner and I was never here mm-hmm. uh, and now I just feel so here today like people are like well what about the summer are you going to travel this summer? I'm like I'm not even thinking about the summer like I'm right here today and we'll see what happens but so that's like what I've yes. just like stay where your feet are stay where your feet are people I love that. Right. And, and, and yeah, I'm taking no credit, but I have heard that expression. So (laughs) I love it. And it's just, and, and, and how that brings, um, presence, present moment awareness instead of, um, all the future tripping and planning. Yes. And you don't have to like meditate. Like I don't do all that. I don't meditate. I don't do yoga. I don't, I'm not like, I don't know. You don't need to have time. Moms don't have time for that. We all know this. I don't, I don't have time for that. Yeah. No, but your point, your point's well taken. It doesn't have to be formal practice. You're just talking about daily living. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yep. Cool. Okay, we made it to the parent footprint moment question. Gosh. Here we go. Build up, Dr. Dan. I don't yes. know. Take it. You got this. You got this, Zibby. You got this. Okay. Tell us about a time when you became aware of yourself as a parent or as an individual. And that new awareness had a positive impact on your child. So this is about tantrums because I used to get, um, I used to feel my emotions would get swept up with all the tantrums. And I would know from all the books that I wasn't supposed to do that, right? Like you're not supposed to get upset when your kid's upset and just stay calm. But I could never actually do that. Um, It always like swept me up in a, in a storm of, of emotion mm-hmm. to get my kid, you know, my, um, I just couldn't calm down. And I have finally realized through, you know, a moment for me in the pandemic when my little guy was sort of tantruming out of control and like slamming the door and I want to be alone and like having one of these big, big blowups. And I just realized like, I, I am not going to let, I am, I am not going to let my emotions do that. And it's going to be scarier to him if I fly off the deep end because he's going to calm down, but he's not going to remember him. He's going to remember what I did, right? So I don't know what it was, the slamming of the door 
and this big tantrum in the face of all that's gone on. But I have finally been able to realize and actually mean it that my kid's going to tantrum and he's going to, you know, my, all my kids, frankly, like they're going to yeah. go off and they're going to, their emotions are going to spiral. And I am the only one who can control my own emotions. And so he'll come back, he'll calm down. And I might as well have him calm down and know that there was a mom there who was like steady and strong versus on the crazy ride with him. So I don't know, that's been my parenting since then significantly. Yes. Okay. That's huge, right? I mean, you you talked about that with simplicity um, and eloquence, and that is a huge transition to make when we have kids with big emotions and it's upset, you know, it's upsetting for a variety of reasons. So how do you like, how do you think you got there? Cause I know it was a gradual process. Part of it was like, um, complete failure <laughs> because <laughs> I couldn't manage the tantrums. Like nothing I did was working. Like I tried everything and I I like to think I'm a pretty creative parent and I'm always coming up with like new solutions to problems and all of this. And I'm really empathetic and could sit and talk. Nothing was working. And, you know, with my son's tantrums. So what choice did I have? Like, Mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't do anything anymore. Um, You know, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I still get... I can get very upset about things that happen to me, <laughs> but just watching someone else's emotions and even my husband, um, you know, who's been going through the worst f- grief, you know, mm-hmm. I, can't, I, I just can't get swept up in all these waves around me. And, um, you know, especially for me, like I have four kids and a husband and there's so many emotions. I don't even know which way is up and I'm an emotional person myself, but I just think it was like, this realization that like nothing's working because I don't have control of it. Like nothing is going to work. He's going to have his tantrum no matter what I do. And I just have to let him go in his room and let him calm down. And so it came from like a place of, (laughs) I don't know, desperation. And so after that, that's just what now I know. Okay, well, I'm going to give this like 10 minutes. And it's not that I'm ignoring it. You know, the books used to say like, ignore it. And I'm like, I can't ignore it. <laughs> but it's not that it's like, I'm just going to wait. I'm, I'm just going to wait it out. And I'll be right here when he's ready to give him a big hug. Nice. Nice. Hear that, everyone? It's hard. But we can get there. Um, and, and it's so important what you're saying to be about separating our own emotions from our kids. And with this aware parenting, not only like it shows, first of all, it shows our kids, we're modeling for our kids, how to handle a, a big emotions. And also we are sparing them from having to respond to our big emotions, which are reacting to their big emotions. So they can actually just focus on themselves. Yes. Cool. Zibby, tell everyone where they can find your new books, your former books, your website, your podcasts, everything that you have out there for folks. Yes. Come find me, everybody. (laughs) My book is Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. um, And it's everywhere books are sold. So Amazon, bookshop.org, your local indie bookstore, anywhere you can find books, it should be. And my website is zibbyowens.com and it has all sorts of information there about where to find me and all the other things I do, like Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which is really fun for you to join. And my podcasts are anywhere you find podcasts. Moms don't have time to read books and moms don't have time to lose weight. 
And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and everywhere, um, usually at Zibby Owens everywhere. Um, and sometimes also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. So, but you can find everything on my website in case you get lost. Awesome. For people who want it simple, just go straight to the website. Zibby, thank you so much for this conversation and um, can't wait to keep you. There's so many things coming out and going to come out and um, we all need to hear those lessons. So thanks for doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you. This is really fun. That's another show, everyone. If you like what you hear, tell your friends, tell your family about it. We need to spread the world. We need to make the world a more loving place one parent and one child at a time. As always, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Be the person you want your child to become. It's hard, but work on being intentional and purposeful. And uh, as Zibby says, is um, focus on where your feet are on the ground. Try to stay present. You know where to find us. Every place podcasts are found. And as always... I lead you with the guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave? <laughs>